podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Talking Cop. It is a full-time match reaction show. I'm your host, Matt. I'm joined tonight by Kev and Robbie. It is finished at the mighty Kenilworth Road. Luton won. Liverpool somehow also won. Kev, been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, yeah. How, how did you like that? That would have been a great game to watch if I was really, really, really drunk. If I was really, really out of my head and not bothering to watch the telly and just more interested in who I was with, I'd have been delighted with that. But yeah. that was horrific. That was an awful game to watch. It, I hate playing against sides who play 5-4-1 anyway because they no, never have any interest in winning the game. It's trying to stay in it as long as possible. If they nick something, great. But at all costs, don't lose. I hate that's I hate watching that, but that's what we knew where they were going to do. And when I saw the lineup, I really started to worry because I thought, how where are we going to break this lot down? If they get if they can stay in the game, where's the whiff to break this break a side like this down? And it played out how I thought it would play out. It was just a horrible, ugly game that had not no real quality in it apart from flashes here and there from either side. And you just, you take your point, you chalk it up to experience, but you fucking learn from it and don't do it again. Because we knew exactly how they, what they were going to do. And we didn't react to it at all. We we were, we were didn't react to anything today. Top to bottom today was so bad. You know, it was, for how good we've been in, in patches this season, this is a low point, but it has to be just draw a line under it, low point, and quickly fucking get back on the bike for Thursday night because this can't become a habit or a thing that's labelled at us now this season. That, oh, it's a relegated side, so we're going to really struggle with them. A hangover from last season, bollocks. Now, that, that today is bad, but it has to be hopefully looked at in isolation. The fact that we're still we're three points behind City, we're third in the table, still only lost one game this season. You know, you have to fucking take what you can out of it but yeah no there's not much out of it to, to be honest it was fairly fucking ropey yeah yeah there's uh it's gonna be hard to put for even me to put a positive spin on this one uh robbie mm. this is the first time we've done a show together so as ashley l says here more like talking slop today which is <laughs> a, a an early candidate for uh comment of the day from ashley l which is pretty standard for her how did uh, how did you feel about it as a whole, there, Robbie? Um, yeah, well, first of all, good to good to uh, see you guys, and uh, I'm I'm really happy I got this one. Uh, really <laughs> <happy>. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the post match reactions, Rob. How do you find it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm old enough to remember the the the, the classic pitch days in Kenilworth Road and Kenny, and this was yeah. Kenny's trip tonight, and and and. It kind of happened again today. I mean, even even going back to the 2006, I know we won 5-3 in the cup game. It was still a battle up, you know. We were behind, I think, at half time, And again, I just faced it with trepidation. And then I I, I, I hold my hands up. I didn't know Ross Barkley played for them. And then I see Ross Barkley on the team sheet. And I'm going, all right, here we go. Here we go, you know. And a last-minute winner from Ross Barkley outside the box. And so I was full of trepidation. And plus, as you mentioned, Kev, in our, like last year, our record was terrible against um, newly promoted sides. So I was hoping for something different against a newly promoted side, but we got pretty much the same as last year, you know. Um, I thought we did okay in the first two thirds of the pitch, but when we got into the, the final third, the, the, you know, the pass was, the last pass was bad or we made the wrong decisions and we just got into a funk, which we couldn't really get out of. I think only when, to be fair to Elliot, I thought he he did well when he came on. Yeah, and he put in some good balls, and then he put in the the ball for the for the goal. And so I think he lifted it a little bit. I think he can come out of it with positives. Obviously Diaz for even turning up, fair play, and he did the business. And of course the usual, Alison Becker saved us um, as well at one stage, as he you know seems to do a lot. 
So I think those three, I think, are the, are the main positives. And I think we have to take positives out of this. You know, we can't, you know, we can't complain and whatever. And it, it was piss poor. But uh, as you said, Kev, we're, we're turning the table. Let's, let's, you know, let's get this over with and we move on from there, you know. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I appreciate the positivity because uh, in shades of last season and there was one point in the game where I noted down this feels very much like 22-23. And I mean, uh, I Cat Cat here saying bad attitude players thought they'd won before the game even started. Tommy C saying reminds them of Forrest away last season. Mm-hmm. There was multitude of examples of away games against the Dross last season where we were absolutely dreadful. And I was... I, for one, was hoping that we were over that, but uh, as today has shown, we are not quite. But, uh, Kev, you uh, you mentioned you had some trepidation following the lineups coming out an hour before the game. So the lineup is uh, Allison and goal, Trent, Ibu Kanate, Virgil van Dyke, and Joe Gomez getting the start at left back ahead of Costa Simicast, which is, to me, about the only surprise in the team sheet. The midfield is Sabasai McAllister, Gravenberch, and up front we got Mo Salah, Darwin Nunez, and Diogo Jada. Positives for Liverpool is that uh, Ben Doak is back on the bench. So he's back in contention for playing playing games, which hopefully holds well for his chances for getting at least some minutes, if not a start on Thursday night when we go away to Toulouse in the Europa League. And he will be the big positive story from today. But Luis Diaz making himself available to be selected off the bench. But what about that lineup uh, caused you concern, Kev? Because I, I thought that was, with the exception of Gomez for Simicass, that's pretty much what you'd expect, right? Yeah. Can you tell me who the left footer is in that side, please? Uh, the left footer in that side is Mohamed Salah, the who play, plays the right play, wing. The play, yeah. So yeah. you're just narrowing the pitch even more. And you're mm-hmm. playing against a 5-4-1. They want you to play through the middle so they can block off all the space. And we did exactly that. And we wondered then why we couldn't work our way through them. I'll give them massive credit, okay? The way they set up defensively, very narrow, very rigid, and they were aggressive in their in their final third. Um, and looking for Ogbeni on the break. Ogbeni normally plays on their right, which would have been our left, but they switched it to play off, play off Trent because Trent drifts into into the middle of the park. And Ogbeni, as they said in the commentary that I was listening to, is recorded as the fastest player in the league this season. Really? Um, huh? Yeah. Anyone who gets in a straight race with him is not winning. You know, you're not. You're, and I've watched him enough for Ireland. And in a 1v1, he's as quick as anyone I've ever seen. And the way they set up was really, really going to be a difficult game. But we made it so easy for them. I understand why he picked um, Joe Gomez at left back. Costas played enough. He's played pretty much every game since the last international break this is Robertson injury and but the downside is you don't have anyone to stretch the pitch on the left hand side who can go outside and put balls in from wide at least have that having that as an option we saw this so often when James Milner used to play left back where you get down so far then he has to check back onto his right foot it gives the defending side a chance to reset reorganize and it makes life so much harder for yourself. And when I saw the letter, I just thought to myself, okay, there, there's just no width in this side. Moore's going to stay on the on the right wing, trying to come in onto his left foot. Trent is going to be central. Joe Gomez is going to get probably halfway into their half and then check back. And then you're forcing everything through the middle, which is going to be so congested that you're relying on a ricochet, a set piece, you know, a bit of absolute magic or a bit of luck you know you're not relying on quality to break side and Klopp must have seen this he must have they must have seen this really early and there were ways that they could have changed it and they didn't they could have changed it by literally telling Joe Gomez to come central as if he normally does it from right back when he starts at right back he comes into the middle of the park he could have done that from the left and told Trent to go out wide right and hold the touchline from the side and at least offer a width option that way. But it just never happened. It never came. I couldn't understand why not. It's not as if we didn't have aerial threats in the box. Darwin's good in the air. Joss is really good in the air. You know, and from putting the ball in the box, you can create confusion. You can create panic. 
you can get second balls and something can come that way. Especially when it's not, it was clear as day it wasn't working through the middle. When you have players taking pot shots from 30 yards. You know, we had a couple of half chances in the first half, but Darwin hit hit the crossbar. But in general, that was pretty much it. It was rinse and repeat doing exactly the same thing over and over and over in the hope that something might bounce for you. And it the way they defended was really, really good. You know, so they, they we didn't change anything until we brought on the subs. And we brought on Harvey, and Harvey ended up changing the game. Again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Robbie, uh, Kev points out the fact that Luton set up in what was obviously and always going to be a 5-4-1 formation, and we struggled to break it down. I mean, I would point out as a counter argument to that is that that's exactly how Nottingham Forest set up against us at Anfield last weekend, and I thought we handled that extremely well. Like, was there any uh, concerns for you upon seeing the lineups or the first couple minutes of the game that we were going to struggle as massively as we ended up struggling at Kenilworth? No, I, I don't think uh, I was happy enough with the lineup. I think there was only one decision, and and, and that was the, the left full. You know, um, again, I don't, I don't think Gomez had a bad game in in any way. And um, the, the, the only difference, as you say, Matt, the only difference is we're away, we're in a, a tight ground where you know everyone's on top. If you're like, you know, I know it's a small crowd, but everyone's on top. Yeah, everyone's up for it. It's it's half four on a Sunday. They've been in the pub. They're going to be well up for it, and and. To be fair to them, they were they, the, the team. They were like they have eleven men behind the ball. As soon as we got the ball, and try and hit us on the break, um, with uh, down the left hand, down their left hand side primarily. But um, no, I, I, I didn't. I that was the kind of the team I was, I, I was expecting, um, and I knew we'd be, we'd be, you know, we'd have a difficult match, and we'd be, you know, playing the low block, especially away from home. We can we can find it very very difficult. Um, I agree with Kevin that we could have given it maybe a little bit, but we definitely lost. Like the positives are the, the the positives, yeah, that we gained from Trent in midfield, were offset today by not having him bombing down the, the right way and, and and linking up um, with Sabozlo and Salah, um, he he was he was so central, like you know as a, and that can be a, a major advantage most of the time, but I think it was it was clearly it was clearly lacking the the the. the, the the, the ball coming down the right-hand side today, you know? Um, yeah, the, the centrality of our play, I think, was probably one of the main reasons for the lack of incisive actions yeah. or any real what? clear-cut attacking motions. I mean, and Kev, you, you absolutely nailed only, it. Like, I was going to say, ahead. sorry, the only thing I wanted to add, the only thing I wanted to add, sorry, was Joe Gomez had a good game. Defensively, he was fine. Mm -hmm. And... I understand why Klopp selected him because they're a big physical side who are very direct, yeah. overly direct. You know, they're the, the most direct side in the league, you know, with long balls and long crosses and what have you. So I understand from a defensive point of view, he was absolutely fine. No problems with him whatsoever. It's just offensively, you have to have width coming from somewhere. And if Trent is going to be inside, that width has to come from the left. And if you don't have a natural left-sided player, to do that job, you're really making life so much harder for yourself. You know, it, it, it's just one of those things. But anyway, yeah, uh, I mean, just getting in through the actual game moments now. I mean, Robbie, you you nailed it. I picked that out as well. After about 15 minutes, and it seems like Luton's game plan for getting out of their half and creating any sort of attacking options was going to be looking for the long ball to Ogbené, who I believe, I haven't actually watched any of the Irish international games, but I believe he's been doing quite well for Ireland. You know, pace to burn. I had no idea he was that fast. He really didn't get a chance to open his legs up, I don't feel like, in this game. Like, he didn't really have one of those opportunities where he knocks the ball past the defender and runs onto it like Darwin does. But they were very clearly looking to isolate him against Trent or him into that channel where Trent and Kanate, neither of them are in position to cover it. But I thought for the first 15 minutes, I thought Darwin Nunes, and again, I had him captained in FPL, so I had a vested interest in Darwin having a great game today. He really looked like he was at it. I mean, he had a shot at nine minutes. He had a shot at 15 minutes. Like he had, he had four shots on target within the first 16 minutes of the game. Uh, the big highlight from the opening stages of the game on eight minutes, Ibu Kanate, he must have worn Joel Matthews boots for this game because he goes on a run right through the middle of the Luton midfield. It looked incredible. And it was, to me, those are all positive signs. Okay. 
Darwin's getting on the end of the ball. We're getting chances. You know, he's hitting the bar. He's getting into those spaces that, yeah, he might waste three or four opportunities, but he's going to convert one. He's going to convert one. And, you know, we're so confident in possession out of the back that we can have one of our center halves just go on a 50, 60 yard dribble up the middle of the pitch. And it's not really going to be a huge, huge problem. 12th minute, Trent plays an unbelievable through, through ball to Darwin Nunes. His first touch is immaculate. The exact opposite of his first touch midweek against Bournemouth, where he shanks it 30 yards to his left. This one, he takes it down off of his left thigh, right foot hits the bar. Like he's got to get it within the frame of the goal. But I mean, Kev, it looked like the early signs were there for us. They're like, it looked like we were going to do the job that we needed to do, right? Like it's not, that's not just my reading of the game. No, it wasn't. It was a case, look, you needed to get one of those. You know, you get one of those early, it's a different game. They have yeah. to come out and, and try and play it. Or they have to stay in it, but they know that one more mistake and it's curtains, that's it. And 1-0, you're still in it. But you have to take one of them. You know, you had four, I wouldn't say there were good chances or guilt-edged chances. They were half-decent chances. They weren't as good as the chance you got in the second half. But if you're going to be a number nine in this side and you get four chances, you have to have, you have to, you have to put one away, you know, and the excuses that come out for Darwin are, you know, yeah, it's great. It's chaos. He's, he's organized, organized chaos this season. He looks good when he's good, when he's on it and everyone loves him. Everyone loves when he scores, but these are the games that you need someone to bury one hmm. you know when, when you're not at it when you're playing shite and it's not going for you if you're getting four chances in the first 15 minutes you need to bury one of them yeah. and at the very least make the keeper make saves make meaningful saves you know and it wasn't just him Jota was Jot had a, a few half chances as well I thought Mo was anonymous um, he was absolutely yep. anonymous today again, and he has those. He has those games where some games he just doesn't. It doesn't go for him, and it's not from a want of effort. It's just one of the. It's just football, you know. Not everyone is a machine, and not everyone is on it all the time. But yeah, look, it it was a, it was a really really frustrating game to watch. But the longer it went on, the more and more. I was just sat there like, it's just not going to happen. It, there, I, there were points in that game where I thought we could be here for a week and it's just not going to click. And I don't know, mate. You, it's, you don't have these games often. You know, I, I said it before Thank a few fuck. times. Now. Yeah, but I said it a few times this season. We've played a lot of football this season so far. I still don't think we've played well for 90 minutes. No, I still don't. I still don't think we've had a, a solid ninety minutes where you say, "Yeah, from start to finish, we were absolutely brilliant." And at the same time, I don't. Rem we do we haven't had a performance like this where it just looked like we were lim we were restricted to pot shots from outside the box. You know, we we haven't had many of those. Yeah. So I'm just really, really holding back in saying anything more than that because I'm hoping that it's just one of those days at the office everyone has a shit day at work and it just doesn't pan out. I'm hoping that's all this is. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Uh, I mean, I'll come to you on this, Robbie. I mean, because there's not a ton of huge talking points, I don't feel like, for the first half, but uh, Thor, the dyslexic, the dyslexic polyglot, easy for me to say, said, uh, no booking for the Luton handball after 30 minutes. He means 40 minutes because it was on the 40th minute. Uh, still raging. Fucking ref was dreadful, but he isn't the reason for drop points. Bet no other top four side dropped points to them. And you're probably right, but I mean, I don't know if you remember the incident, Robbie, but it was Ogbeni in the middle of the park as we're breaking. And that is oh, yeah. as deliberate a handball as you will ever see. I don't know how you don't give a yellow card. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, are, are you surprised about what referees do and do not do anymore? I'm not like you know. It's it's. Well, let me put my Lego hair on and see if I can go off. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't that great. Um, yeah, but not surprised. That's the way refereeing is is in you know in in the Premier League. Um, it was it was so obvious, like I know, but uh, we didn't get it, and you know that's just it. it they're bad. They're, the referees are bad. 
There's no doubt about it, you know. Um, he's not the reason for the drop points. No, he's not. Absolutely not the reason for the drop points. I mean, we've only ourselves to blame today. Um, I don't know. We'll probably get onto the Diaz chance. Uh, I'm sure we will get onto the... Uh, sorry, the Nunez chance, sorry. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. So, you know... <laughs> Kev, as you said, you don't put. I, I, I think Carragher was very, very definite that that wasn't outside. So no, it wasn't. You know, yeah. Well, that, that's the reason why. You know, that's the reason why we put one in. Then I think it's it's game over. Um, but I was looking. I was, you know, we had we had a few half chances. Nunez put a few on target. I think the the goalie saved a couple, but they were kind of for the camera saves. They were, you know, they were a bit. Uh, he didn't have to do what he had to what he did, but I was confident. I thought, here we go again. Hopefully, it's it's like the uh, the Wolves game where we've had the shit half. We'll learn from it, and we'll get better in the in the second. But we didn't really, you know. We it, uh, the, the game was petering out really until until they broke away and scored. And the best thing about the second half is the fireworks. I think at that stage. That yeah, was there was there was a lot of leftover bonfire day fireworks uh, yeah. around Kenilworth Road because they just kept going, going yeah. and going and going. Uh, was- yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the saves there, Robbie. I mean, the one that I don't think was a camera save at all was the thirty third minute, uh, no thirty second minute. Gravenberch makes a great run. He threads the ball through to Diogo Jota, and yeah, he yeah. gives the keeper eyes for the far post, yeah. and then tries a cheeky one near post, and it's a great save by uh, Kaminsky, their keeper. I mean, he did everything yeah. he needed to do. Yeah, he made, like, a couple of the shots from Darwin, you know, you'd like to think that a better keeper just keeps a handle on those and doesn't deflect them behind for a corner. But it's better to deflect it behind for a corner than to do what the Bournemouth keeper did in midweek and palm it right into the path of Diogo Jada. So I, I thought their keeper had a, a fairly good game. But that save uh, that he made against Jada at the near post, that was worth flagging up because that's that's a top save because oh, he really yeah, got yeah. – uh, yeah, yeah. I was talking about the yeah. Nunez one. I was going to, yeah, to be fair to him, yeah. that one was yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the Jota one, Jota was almost off balance when he was shooting. Uh, he couldn't get any power behind it because he should have gone across. You know, it, you give if you're going to go near post, you have to go with power. But he just looked like he wasn't set to shoot and it came at him quick. It was one touch. He didn't even take a touch. He just turned and shot. But that one needed to go across the keeper. At best, the keeper pushes it out onto an on-running forward. You know, otherwise Jota scores. But look, it was, it was the first time. It was the most frustrating part of the first half for me was watching Sabazlai and Gravenberch not getting the ball in the middle of the park and driving at him. Yeah, and you know, committing players to come to him to open up space for others. And instead of having a shot from halfway out, halfway into your own half, you know, just run at him, play a one-two, try and force them out of their shape. We d- didn't do it anywhere near enough. And like I was frustrated with Joe Gomez's selection for the reasons why I've said, but it's not his, that's not his, on him. But it's not as if Gravenberch and Sabozlai aren't capable of doing That's their bloody game. They're really good at it. And it needed someone. Not, it doesn't have to be Klopp all the time. It needed Virgil or someone behind him to just say, just run at them. Yeah. We've got you at the back. Don't worry about it. If you if you turn over the ball, it's okay. We got you. Just run at them and commit someone. Get someone to come out so you can work up work a chance that way. They just didn't do it anywhere near enough. And again, I know it's a learning process for the midfield three that we have, and it is. They're still learning on the job. They've been there less, you know, a handful of games really in, in the grand scheme of things. So. It's a long-term thing with that with that midfield three. I think that midfield three could be our midfield three for a good while. So, yeah. I'm, I'm well, I mean, uh, it, but... hope, hopefully not, because uh, as everybody that's involved in our Telegram chat knows, I am uh, very much on board the Andre to mm-hmm. Liverpool hype train. So, I'm hoping that we'll see some change with our midfield uh, come the January transfer window. But I mean, we get to have time, and it's exactly what you said, Kev. I'll come to you on this, Robbie. Of like. If you look at the Kanate run he made in the eighth minute, the chance that Jota had from a Gravenberch run, that's what we were missing. Like we were we were choosing to play the game very centrally, very narrow. We didn't have that width on the wings because Joe Gomez is never going to cross the ball with his left foot. And Trent was playing centrally, so he wasn't overlapping Sal on the outside of the pitch. So when we got the ball, picked our heads up and ran at them, that's when we caused danger. So like 
we got to halftime and I was just thinking like, we need to get Mo on the ball more. Diogo Jada is not quite getting into the game to the same level that Darwin Nunez was. And I had Gravenberch and Dominic Sabah slide down as like four out of tens at the half. Yeah. Like they just weren't doing enough. But I thought that McAllister was doing everything he needed to do in this type of game because earlier, I don't know if I saved the comment, uh, somebody said that we should have played we should have played Wataru Endo, but like Robbie, I think these are the games that you want a player like McAllister in as the six, where he doesn't need to be that destroyer because we're going to have the ball. I don't know what we ended with 75% possession or something like that. So like we just needed more incisiveness from our midfield. And I think this is why we struggled with these games away last year. And I left this comment up from Jake Semister here, who says Liverpool haven't won away from home against the promoted side in the league since the 16th of October, 2021, when we beat Watford 5-0, which is fucking embarrassing. Fucking embarrassing. Because these are, like, the bottom 10 teams in the league, you should be taking 54 points minimum off of because the bottom teams in the league this year are terrible. And last year, we struggled with that. And I think in retrospect, it's because we had no thrust and incisiveness from our midfield. When we're playing a midfield of Jordan Henderson, a completely burnt out Fabinho, and whichever other midfielder isn't currently injured at the time, that's miles off of where we are now. And it was so disappointing, for me at least, I don't know about you, that we just weren't getting that cut and thrust from our midfielders. Um, yeah, I mean, Sabozlai and, and Gravenberch in the first half where. Virtually, I know there was one one small piece of play, good play from Gravenberg from the first half, um, and I don't think much changed in the second half either. In relation to the Endo thing, he, I think he's quite lim- limited, but he's not afraid to go forward with the ball. He's not afraid to pass with the ball. Actually, he's, he's not a great carrier of a ball, but he can he can pass, he can hit uh, forward passes, but. I don't think you play him in a, in a match when you're playing Luton. You, you need someone who could do more with a ball, and McAllister is that man. You know, I know it's not McAllister's um, proper position, but I think he can do more than Endo can do. We're going to have the ball, so, so give it to someone who uh, play somebody who can who can do more and who's who's more useful on the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, suppose I was taken off. I mean, I thought he probably had his poorest game for us so far. He's done brilliantly, so and, you know. This season for us, and um, I think he had his poorest game. Gravenberch, again, what didn't do much for me either. I, I, I thought, uh, did he come off? I can't remember if he came off in the second half, but um, no, I don't believe he no, did. No, he didn't. Um, so, oh no, he did in the 83rd minute, he came off for uh, Luis Diaz, and we will get there. Oh, there you go. And then, um, yeah, so, um yeah, I think that, I mean, we didn't do much you know, in, in, at the start of the second half. I think there was a start on the on the, on, on the uh, TV that said Luton conceded more goals in the second half, which I didn't know, than the first half by, by 12 to 6. So I was going, oh, hopefully, you know, as I said before, I thought we were going to have a better game like the Wolves, we'd have a better second half. But it, it wasn't to be, the passing wasn't crisp, crisp enough again in the final third. We just yeah. weren't at it, you know, and we've, we've seen that a lot, uh, especially away from home. Um, and I, I really, I'm just looking at notes here. I mean, I don't have any kind of positive play. Nope. Up to, <laughs> you know, up to, I have here very, very little here. Game Peter now, trying to freshen it up. And that was at 64 minutes, you know. Um, yeah. The only, and can I, I just like to mention this, and fair play to Jamie Carragher, it was mentioned. He mentioned the tragedy chanting um, in the second half. While while the game wasn't up to much or there wasn't much happening, he did man- mention that the, there was a few times when there was you know tragedy chanting at the match, and that's the first time. I don't know if it's been said before this season. It's the first time I've heard anybody ever mention it, and it's a positive. But I would like for other non-LFC people who are at, at these matches to mention it now. Um, I think it's very important, um, and that's just as an aside. But that's something that nothing was happening. And fair play to him; he did he, he did speak up, you know. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if the international feed whether they turned down the microphones for the home fans because it was another game today. I will say, man of the match for Liverpool today once again was the traveling cop. 
I yeah. thought our traveling fans made a hell of a sound, but I don't know if for the international feed, if they just turned down the microphones for the home fans that much, because mm -hmm. I saw some people in our Telegram chat mentioning the, the tragedy chanting. And like you said, Robbie, the fact that Carragher brought it up on, uh, I presume that's the Sky Sports it's broadcast. Fire, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't hear any of that whatsoever. And I mean, it's not hard, especially when you look at the banner that the traveling Nottingham Forest fans brought to Anfield last weekend where they brought a gigantic banner, you know, 10 foot by 20 foot banner that said, end the tragedy chanting. It should be pretty simple to do. But uh, unfortunately, dickheads will be dickheads. Uh, start of the second half, Kev, and a few people have uh, brought, uh, brought this up, is that, what was it, 53rd minute? Uh, <laughs> We have a short corner routine. It is an absolutely awful first touch from the short corner routine. And they start a break. And Alexis McAllister picks up his fifth yellow card of the season. Yeah. And he will now be suspended for the Brentford game next weekend. Not yeah, a great good, day. At, not a great day at the office for Alexis McAllister. No, it was a good, it was the right booking to take. Um when you're in that position, you take the foul, you take the yellow card, you yeah. stop the counterattack. You know, if, if we weren't getting much joy out of the corners that we were whipping in because they're really strong in the air. You know, you've got a big centre forward who's won more aerial duels than anyone else in the league this season and three big centre backs and a couple of good six foot plus midfielders as well. So they weren't going to get we weren't going to get much joy from whipping in crosses into or corners into the box. So changing the angle was worth giving it a go. So the fact that we lost the ball there and he took the book in, I'm fine with that. You didn't win or lose today's game based on who played in the six, by the way. That's a nonsense. Yeah. The reason why we lost today is because we didn't have any whiff and the whiff that we did have were shite. Salah was shite. There was no one else behind him that was shite. You know, there was no one on the left to do anything. That was shite. And that's all, that's all on the manager. So at the end of the day, the reason we won, drew or lost today had absolutely nothing to do with who played the six. Mm. And we needed McAllister's incisive passing ability, but at the same time, there was hardly any movement up front for him. So who the fuck was he supposed to hit? You know, it's just one of those frustrating games that everyone needs a silver bullet to blame, and there just ain't one. There's a litany of problems with that performance, and you could be there forever and a day listing them all. And I'm sure the lads will go through it all again tonight. But ultimately, the chances that you do create. You need your striker to put him away. And the one in the second half was all he had to do was get his knee over the ball. All he had to do was get his knee over the ball and just knock it in. It was a poor header from Salah because that header was not to go back to where you could tell by the way it skidded off his head. The poor boy. I mean, he played, he played through the middle during the week and he can't head for Toffee. God bless him. He can do an awful lot of things really, really well, but heading is not top of his uh, top of his to-do list. And that literally skinned off his head, went across. He was onside. It wasn't the case he was well onside, but he was he just looked on. It looked on. And no, he was he was hundred percent onside. It's not even yeah, a question. Darren has to get his knee over that ball and, and put that away. That's bread and butter. If that's Jota, Jota buries it. If you're in that position. You have to put that away. You know, flag or no flag, the VAR will, will decide whether it's a goal or not a goal. You just put it in the in the in the goal and make them make a decision. It it was such a bad miss at a really important time in the game. It was so bad. But at the same time, he dusted himself off and he'll just keep going. He it doesn't phase him like it used to phase him. Because I've seen plenty of strikers. In the first, like who in the first half, when they have so many efforts on goal and it's just not happening, they hide. They don't want the ball. That's he. He doesn't do that. And as long as he's not doing that, as long as he's getting chances, he'll be fine. He'll score. He'll score plenty. He'll score a lot more this season. I'm not. I'm not worried about Darwin. But I'd be. I'd be more worried about Darwin if he started hiding in games. If he started yeah. hiding in games, then you know there's going to be players who'll just take his shirt. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cody Cody Gakpo is waiting in the wings for the opportunity yeah. to take that shirt back off of Darwin Nunes. Uh, Robbie, you want uh, what are your thoughts on the 70th minute open goal miss by Darwin Nunes? Um, it's a 
what a like it's it's a shocker like that that the guy can hit some unbelievable goals he can you know he can score cracking goals but he's got to put that away and you know ask questions later whether about whether it was offside i didn't see any replays so i wasn't sure i was kind of hoping that it was offside in in, in some ways but now that i know it's not it, it's you know it's possible possibly cost us the, the the three points you know um i think i think i think the looting heads go down if they if we score that you know so Put it yeah, away the, the first know. goal was the first goal was the most important thing in this oh, match. I mean, yeah. you you could tell once, uh, and we'll get on to when they scored their goal. But if we'd have scored first at any point in that match, it was it was over from there, and it probably would have finished three nil. But I just wanted to get your input on it because uh, I I got I got to own up to this. I was feeling very bullish about Darwin Nunez. I was fully ready. I had learned all the words in Spanish to sing the song that the Uruguayan announcers sing when Darwin scores for us tonight. And for fuck's sakes, what a miss. It's absolutely terrible. And I've saved a couple messages here because it seems like uh, our man Sering Wangyal has a bit of an issue with Darwin Nunes. He says, how many times can we keep defending Nunes by calling him king of chaos when in simple terms, he is pure garbage, scores a few out of a million chances. He get LFC want him to work so bad because of his price tag. Missing an open goal and now a sitter literally in front of goal is just embarrassing for a 50 million plus striker. I I under I understand you might be frustrated, Saring. I'm going to presume you're a Liverpool fan. You're watching a Liverpool match reaction video, though we didn't get the result at Kenilworth Road, so you could be any sort of opposition fan. But I like I get that he doesn't miss one in a million chances. If you look at his conversion ratio for the season, Darwin Nunez is converting at a rate better than pretty much any other player in the entire Premier League for goal involvements. This one was bad though. The one against Toulouse in midweek is hilarious because he absolutely undresses two players, plays the ball off the goal post and Gravenberg scores anyways. No harm, no foul. We don't have to worry about that. This one, this one was bad though. It, it was... He's just got to score. And I mean, I, I don't know if it was Kev or Robbie because I was trying to compose my thoughts that said it, but Diogo Jota scores that 10 times out of 10. Yeah. 10 yeah. times out of 10. Sadio Mane would have scored that 10 times out of 10. And he's just got to he's just got to put that ball into the back of the net because it changes everything that comes after it. There's 20 minutes of the game to go after that point, and he just misses. But sunny side up, optimistic Matt is going to tell you that this is not a player that gets his head down. Like he's just, this is not going to get on his back and make him doubt his own ability. If anything, this is going to spur Darwin Nunes on to go out in his next game and bag a brace, get his first Premier League hat trick or whatever it is. Like to me, he's just that type of player that he went through last season hearing all the shit on social media from people very much like Saring Wangiel going, oh, you know, you're an overpriced striker, you're an absolute flop, and all this sort of bullshit. He's not that. This is an extremely talented footballer that just has madness moments. The first line of the song is, look, look at the madness. And that is Darwin Nunez. He's not Captain Chaos. He is La Pantera. He will get better from here, but that was fucking dreadful. That was such, such a bad miss. And then 10 minutes later, Kev... Uh, let me read word for word my notes here. 1-0, fucking hell. Counter from our corner, loot and break, 3v2, Simicast is invisible, Chong scores. Jesus fucking Christ, boys. We need a VAR <laughs> miracle. McAllister bullied on the edge of the loot and box. Goal is given, no VAR intervention. What the hell? It yeah, was, look. Was comedy of errors. Costas needed to do what McAllister did earlier. Take the Take, take the yellow. The Absolutely. Take yeah. the yellow and... Take the fall. Whatever happens, stop the counter. Once they got through, look, they did to us what we do for do to sides, at least two or three times a month. Yeah, you know, every every few games we'll have a counter that will just go bang, 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 go, no problem. And they were geared up for it, and they had the pace for it. But once you got through Costas, everything else was a really, really good finish. It was a brilliant goal. It was a fantastic counter attack from their perspective. Once they got it out wide, the ball across was inch perfect. Allison couldn't do any more because it was it the, the ball across was in a no man's land. You come too far, he goes around you. You don't come far enough, he goes he goes far he goes to the far post. Allison couldn't really do much. It was a good it was a brilliant counter attacking goal. 
The only thing I'd say in that we could have done better, we were over committing like mad to try to get a winner. Mm. And it's sometimes, you know, you just take your hat off and say, really good goal, really good counter-attacking goal. But you had Costas had the chance to stop the counter. One well, so did to. so did McAllister, I would say, Kevin. I will swing. Yeah, but McAllister can't year. do anything. He can McAllister be stronger is, in that tackle. He, he just gets absolutely off. bullied. I know, but the problem is he goes too strong and he's off. And it's two game back. Mm-hmm. And then he's missing for the city game. At the end of the day, Cost uh, is the one with the opportunity to 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 high slide them down. You know, yeah. It, but again, once he got through that, a really well worked goal. You know, credit to him. They played for that all game long, and it worked for him. But yeah, we we could have done so much better with it. But yeah, R- Robbie. It, it wasn't uh, as if you're... it wasn't coming either. It wasn't. It, no, it's not as if it no. wasn't coming. It's it's not it's not rocket science. These guys, like the professional footballers. They they know the situation. Costas has to take him. You just you take the yellow. It's it's, it's a, there's no question. I mean, I thought he was a bit brain dead today. Costas. He it was a situation there. We had them all, but we had them boxed in for a couple of minutes, and the ball went out to the to their right hand side near the corner flag. We had them boxed in. There was nothing. You know, we were we had them constantly under pressure for three or four minutes, and he barges into the guy. The guy just falls and takes the free. You know, it's simple stuff like that. You know. You should have the cop on to, to 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 know what to do in these situations. And now I, I couldn't believe he, he wasn't taken out at, at the source of that move. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And then there wasn't really a challenge between their penalty box and, and the time it went out to the to the guy on the right. Um Kev, you were right. Alison Becker did exactly what he came he came out fast. So your know, man took the goal well, the, the guy who scored took the goal well, but yes. no challenge from their penalty box to it's like deja vu from last season. I thought I felt it's like here we go again, you know. Yeah, uh, Sering's back in here with a much more level-headed comment. He says everyone was busy appealing for the handball instead of playing to the whistle. It was never a handball, right? We can all no. agree on that. They're no. never in a hundred no. years never they're giving that years. handball. Yeah, no. it's uh, he's got his back turned to it. I mean, it hits him on the elbow, but there's nothing outrageous about the positioning of the arms or anything no. like that. It's never a handball. It was just. We were pushing, we were pushing, we were pushing. We overextended a bit too far. We got caught on the break. And, I mean, it's an absolute sucker punch. So, immediately after the goal, I'm writing, we need a miracle now. Uh, we need an absolute miracle now. And in eighty in the 83rd minute, I mean, speaking of a miracle, hopefully we don't need to go to quite those extents. But Luis Diaz, who puts his hand up, Kev, he makes himself available for selection in the first team with all of the absolute horror that's going on in his personal life. His father's still not home, you know, with his family where he should be. Yeah. Comes on for Ryan Gravenberch. And, I mean, let's just skip right to it. I mean, it ends up coming in the fifth minute of added time. He gets on the end of a Harvey Elliott cross and heads it in to salvage a point for us. But, I mean, that it, it had to be, right? I mean, if he was coming yeah. on the pitch, he was scoring a goal. Football has a way of uh, writing scripts, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> you see, you see it all the time in, in football. How many times you watch a, you watch a game and a player from that used to play for a club goes back and scores against them? Yeah, so much. This is one of those things. This is one of those goals that call it Britain is the stars, call it whatever you like. Ultimately, it was the one bit of quality that I've seen us have in the second half where. Elliot got the ball, whipped in a really good cross to a far post winger, making a really good run, timed it perfectly, and buried a chance. It was, I think, look, for the amount of play and the amount of chances that we had, and Madge put up a, you had a post up there from Madge earlier with, I think we had a three point, was a 3.41 XG. Yeah, 3.5 XG, yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't as if we um, we petered out or anything like that. We kept going, and it was it it was just exactly what was needed, and it couldn't have, it, I made up for him because it couldn't have happened to a guy who needed it more. Uh, Absolutely, we love football. Yeah. We love it. it. You know, 
we're all here every week come rain, hail, sun and whatever. And then there's real life. And in yeah. real life, this guy is going through everything and anything you can imagine. But I, as Klopp said in his press conference earlier in the week, when he's around the lads, he's distracted from it and he's not. it's not in his head. It gives him something else to focus on. The fact that he made himself available hopefully bodes well for news that he's had personally from home. And the fact that he came on and contributed in the way he did, man's fab- fantastic, to be honest. Yeah, he, he was... Um, it couldn't have happened to a, to a better candidate to come in and affect the game like that. Absolutely made up for him. And we did deserve a point. Let nobody get away from the fact that they had one real good chance and they converted it. They came to get a point and they held on and got a point. You know, the fact that we didn't get three is on us. But we definitely deserve to come away with at least one. You know, so I'm, deli- I'm delighted it was him. I'm happy there was Harvey that provided it as well because he affected the game when he came on. From the minute he came on, he looked busy. He looked like he was playing with his head up. He looked like he wanted to get wide and stretch to stretch to play wide, give more space to players in the middle of the park and not congest it. He um he he deserves the assist for sure. But what a header. What a header. Yeah. It was it was a great goal. Delighted for him. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't as if it was a, it was a top in or not. I mean, he had work to do. To, you know, um, so fair play from there. Um, again, Harvey. Again, Harvey is coming on and he's making di- making a difference in the game. I don't know whether it's just uh, whether it's just direction from from the guys from the coaches or whether he's a good reader of a game and he's studying the game when he's sitting on the bench. And but he's every time he's making a difference, a big difference. And so yeah, kudos to him as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are those are the components that make up a strong team is you need a strong 11, but you also need players that are able to affect the game coming off the bench. And Harvey Elliott's proved that even more as a substitute than in the games where he's been given the go from the from the opening whistle. I think he's been far, far better as a substitute than he has been as a starter. And that's OK, because when I look at the position he plays on the pitch, I don't see him taking that starting shirt anytime soon from uh from one Dominic Sabasai, even though Sabo wasn't uh, wasn't really on it today. Uh, HDHSP says uh, Harvey always improves the team when he comes on, and yeah, I, I I think that's definitely it. I mean, in retrospect, the fact that we ended up getting the goal that to me, even even with everything that happened in the game, it always felt that we were going to score. Like. I don't know how many games it's been since we put up a goose egg in, oh, I think it was uh, April of this spring at Stamford Bridge was the last time we didn't score a goal in a Premier League game. We always score. And that's what makes their goal just that much more infuriating is like, Kev, you said that, you know, we were pushing, pushing, pushing and creating more gaps in between our attacking bank of players and the defending side, which allowed them to hit us on the counter, which led to their goal. And, hindsight is 2020 but it feels like if we would have just kept playing our game keep being solid at the back keep probing and prodding and like i i don't know if this is just me kev but i've noticed that we're playing a lot more balls that seem to go forward to say like a mo salah who then plays an immediate pass back to an ibu kanate and it seems like we're trying to play these passes that go from the forward third to the back third to really try to pull the other team out of shape so that we can move the ball around them if we'd have just kept doing that, we probably would have run out one nil winners. But instead, we yeah. overextend and get hit on the counter. Yeah, I look. I don't know. I don't think that. Um, I don't think if they scored, I don't think Diaz comes on. I think it was um, when they scored. It Klopp probably looked at him and he goes, "Will you?" And he goes, "Yeah, go on." You know, it, it's. Um, it was a, like like I said, I've seen it. I, mean, I sound like a scratch record. It was the most frustrating game I've watched this season for, for different reasons. Um, well, that's because we've been pretty go- fucking good this year. We've been pretty good. But you're, this you're year. gonna get games like this. You're gonna get yeah. games like this. Nobody's going to run away with this league. Let's not, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Man City are not clocking ninety-five points this season. No. I'd be surprised if anyone breaks ninety. 
Yeah, I think 90, 90 wins it. I think 90 wins it. Yeah, I'd be amazed if anyone breaks 90 this season. It's, it just feels like there's there's a gap at the tops in the top four or five and the rest where we're going to come up against this type of system, this type of mentality going away to games, or even when sides come to Anfield where they have no interest in trying to win the game at all. Yeah. Their whole aim in, in the game is to stay in as long as possible and hope something breaks for them. Because, and it will for some sides. Some sides it will work. Most of the time it won't. But on the odd occasion that it does, it's going to drive people spare. But today it worked. It, most of the time it won't. And that's the frustrating side of it. The clock needs to see this early. And they have to come up with a better way of attacking sides that play a bank of five with a bank of four in front of them. It's, it's just today it didn't quite go our way. We got the point, and that's it. You know, there's, there's nothing much to be said about it. I mean, it's still early days. There's still only three points off City. Still have to play them twice. It could be a case that, look, by January 1st, we're in a race to stay in the top four. And fine. Yeah. If, if that's how it turns out, then, you know, we're just we're along for the ride. But it's, it's um, an awful long way to go, and you're going to yeah. get Days like this, where it's just not going to quite go right. You just that's that. This is football. This is not like FIFA or EA Sports or whatever. Exactly. You don't, you, you, you don't get everything going your way as much as you like all of the time. Yeah. Mo is not going to be this bad very often in the season. Mo is most likely to turn around against Brentford and bag three. Yeah. You know, he's as likely to do that. He's probably more likely to do that as he is to turn around and have a shocker again. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's extremely level-headed, Kev. Like it's this is not FIFA career mode on semi-pro level difficulty. You're not winning 38 out of 38 and going the entire season undefeated. Like you will hit hiccups in the road. Uh I did not think this was going to be it, Robbie. I don't know about you, but I mean, eventually at the end of uh, any game post-match reaction show, we have to come around to asking about man of the match. So who is your man of the match today uh, overall or just for Liverpool, if you want to give it to a Luton player? Um, just well, let's let's mention, because let's mention uh, Ben A. I thought he played well and he's Irish, so let's give him a mention, in, you know. Uh, but uh, man of the match for having the... The ball's to turn up after what he's been through, obviously, in the last few few weeks. And for turning up and scoring the equaliser, there's only one man for me, and that's Luis Diaz. You know? Yeah. That, uh, up and did, you know? It just didn't... It just it surprised me that the referee didn't give him a card for showing the T-shirt or something. You know? I, I was waiting for something like that, you know? Yeah, you know? and his, his T-shirt on second chance of lifting up his uh, Liverpool kit to show the full T-shirt. It said Libertad para Pape, which means freedom for father. So he's uh, he's still obviously hoping for the safe return of his dad. I mean, Kev, I can't imagine you can argue too much with the no. Liverpool man of the match in terms of Luis Diaz. I don't really think anybody from Luton Town really stood out. Like It seemed like an entire game of five out of tens from both teams for me. No, I no, I wouldn't agree. I think for the way Luton set up and for how they they wanted to play, Nikamba did well. You know, he did his job well. Barkley did well. You could say he, he was marvelous, do. Kev. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but he was decent, Nikamba. But for players who did what you want them to do, it, from their perspective, Ogbeni was a constant threat. Uh, Chong finish was come off the bench really good. But for us, um, Diaz, no doubt, you know, that goal, everything in the context of it, no doubt. Honourable mention would go to Alisson for that save to keep yeah. us in it. And I thought Virgil was good today. Yeah. Over, you know, some of Virgil's distribution from the back out to Salah to get him isolated via fullback was pinpoint pretty much most of the game. Um, defensively, he was, he was pretty solid. Um, other than that, you're looking at Harvey when he came on, affected the game. Rest of it was, yeah, work yeah. to do. Yes, yes, undoubtedly. Uh, and I mean, somebody had said there, uh, it was Dogleash to Rush. He says, Shawnee will be in a foul <laughs> mood later. So, of course, yeah, in, uh, what is that, two and a half hours, 
we got the Sunday night show coming up. Gav, presumably Shawnee, Keith, and Emmett on with them as well, too, there. Uh, just as a, a slight aside, just two things. First off, uh, we're moving over to YouTube membership. So you guys, if you're browsing on a computer and you've got your web browser up with YouTube, you'll see a join button for the LFC Day Trippers. €3.99 a month. The benefits of the membership is getting the live shows on YouTube as they're happening live. But if you're not capable or you're against signing up for a membership, you'll be able to get all the Talking Cop shows a day or a day and a half later as a podcast for a download. So you're not going to miss out on anything. But if you want to stay involved in the YouTube chat, in the YouTube chat, Gav has now started up uh, YouTube memberships just to keep the ch channel ticking over because uh, shit is expensive these days, people. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it is not cheap to do anything. So uh, we'll have our first shows that are uh, for YouTube members only coming up after the international break, and we'll see how all that goes. But the other thing I wanted to bring up just before we got out of here, because we're getting close to the hour, is Kev, probably Madge Apple says, Arsenal were dreadful yesterday. Mm -hmm. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the three main events of the Arsenal game. Robbie, I'll come to you first. The three events are Kai Havertz, Red Carter, no. Bruno Guimaraes, Red Carter, no. And the Newcastle goal, should it have been given? What do you think? Um, Havertz, no. I don't think so. And I think I think the yellow, he was... He wasn't... I don't think he was reckless. It was a stupid challenge, but I don't think it was, it was reckless. Uh, it was... It, it was it set everything off. It was great. Like, and, and someone, I think they were mentioned on the TV. You got three of theirs booked, so he did well. <laughs> you know? Um, sorry, that so that was that one. Oh, yeah. Um, Gimeresh. Oh, man, I can't stand him. I cannot stand him. And it was similar, I think it was last season against us. He just kept getting away with getting booked. Um, yes, that... I. I Again, I couldn't understand the pundit or the the, 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 the guys on the TV saying no. Like he comes forearm, it doesn't. A forearm's a forearm. That's a that, yes for me. Get him off, but I don't like him anyway. So just get him off. And then uh, the goal was that what the third one was? Yeah, yeah. The uh, was the ball out of play? Was it a foul? Was it offside? What do you think? I think um, I don't think it was out of play, but I don't know. Uh, Richard Keys and his. His uh, his cronies are saying it, it was out of play. I think uh, was it a foul? I didn't think so. What I did think was offside. But if you don't have the technology to give it offside, you can't give it. You know, they couldn't very see much it. like yeah. Arsenal's goal winning goal last year at the Emirates when we played against them. Where yeah, I, I, we just don't have the camera angle, right? We yeah, yeah, you know. But um, yeah. But the fume from Arteta was beautiful. Chef's kiss for that one, yeah. Absolutely. Bring it on. Yes, yes. Uh, and before I come to you for your two cents there, Kev, we got Max Okuns, who has become a YouTube member. So thank you very much, Max. I love the fact that uh, Gav seems to have named the YouTube membership level the Nippy Carpathians Bar, which is fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant <laughs> that we are uh, – any of the YouTube members will be Nippy Carpathians, which if you're uh, – uh, even recent listener to the old, what used to be known as the LFC Day Trippers, you will remember an episode of the Fatback Four where uh, Keith was learning Romanian to an impress a uh, under 12s nippy Carpathian. But Kev, uh, the same situation is in an Arsenal game for you, just because yeah. I think it's very contentious. Yeah, look, you can argue about two decisions. Um, you can argue about the Habert's one. Was it yellow? Was it red? I think if there was an orange card, it would have been there. It's not a red card. It would have been a red card if his lead foot caught um, the player clearing the ball. His lead foot was well away from it, trying to block. It the ball. wasn't Kev. I've seen an angle was, where he catches him on the shin pad with his lead he, foot. It was it was his trailing foot that, that caught him, and that's what got him booked. Um, Bruno Gramares should have been sent off, no doubt yes. about it. You go into a pub, walk up behind someone, and throw an elbow into the back of their head. See what happens. And enjoy enjoy the trip to AE because that's yeah. just assault every which way you look at it. Um he should be he should be facing retrospective action for that because he wasn't booked for it at the time. He should yes. be facing a three-match ban for that. Um the goal. Um okay, wasn't it didn't go out. No, the whole of the ball didn't go out. And if someone can come up with the technology that says it did, I'd love to see it. It just doesn't exist. 
Um, you could argue whether it was a foul or not. With his two hands into the back, yeah. But, you know, he was leaning forward. It's just one of those coming together as in a penalty box that just don't get given. And it can't be offside because the ball went backwards and the players and Gordon was behind the ball. So even though there was they were ahead of the keeper, the ball goes backwards and there was a, a defender on the line. So it can't be offside either way. So it's nothing wrong with the goal. There was one decision that Arteta should have been fuming about, and that was Bruno Gramara staying on the pitch. Everything else is argumentative, and you can have a, a valid discussion, and I'm sure the lads will go through all of it later on. You can have a valid argument for Havertz, you can have a valid argument about the goal, and you can agree to disagree, you can have a good old stand-up row on it, but you can't argue about an elbow into the back of the head of someone who doesn't see it coming. Yeah. If Bruno Gamares doesn't get a three-match retrospective ban for that alone, then you have to question the integrity of the PGMOL and the Premier League <laughs> and why they're doing favours by putting Newcastle on primetime Saudi Arabia TV every time they get the chance. Mm. But that's just for another show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think you've hit that. You've hit the head or the nail right on the head there, Kev. I honestly, I think they got all three of those decisions wrong. I think Havertz is so out of control with that tackle. He does make minimal contact with the leading foot. And the fact, and we heard this with the Curtis Jones red card against Tottenham, was that in another situation, that could be a very dangerous tackle and he could have broken the player's leg. I think the same standard needs to be held. If they would have shown a freeze frame of the leading leg of Kai Havertz with a two-foot off-the-ground jumping sliding tackle, the freeze frame of his cleat catching the shin pad of the, uh, of the Newcastle player, I think that if you show that as a freeze frame, you've got to send him off for that. The Bruno Gimaraes one, I, I likened it to Lex Luger using the illegal metal plate in his <laughs> forearm to deliver. I mean, Showing your age, so, Matt. Exactly. It's, it's an illegal shot in 1990s professional wrestling. So it's obviously, and that to me is the one, and you, you nailed it, Kev, because I was doing some lurking in Arsenal online fan spaces, and everybody's going on and on and on about the goal. So about the goal, I'll jump to that. The ball was definitely not out of play. The ball was still in play. They showed it on BN Sports with Keys and Gray. They showed it with the lines drawn. And that's how spheres yeah. work. Yes, there's a space between the bottom of the ball and the line where it looks out. But that's how fucking spheres work. They're curved. They're curved. And part of the ball was still in play. I think that they got right. I think it's a push. I just think it's a push. But it's one of those fouls that sometimes you see given and sometimes you see not. And it makes it subjective. I don't think it's offside at all. So I'm, I don't agree with the goal being given because I think it's a foul on Gabrielle. I think Joelinton has fucking two hands basically around Gabrielle's throat and he's pushing him off. It's a push. But I can see how the VAR ref and the on-field ref can both look at that game situation and go, I'm okay with that being given. But the Bruno Gimmeres one, and to me, it's I asked this question in our Telegram chat after the game of whether or not he got a yellow. Because for some reason, the bullshit rule is if you give a yellow card, you can't get retroactively punished for it, regardless of how bad the tackle is, which is just yeah. insanity. Mm -hmm. But this was not given as a yellow card. So if yeah. the if the if the Premier League and the PGMOL don't get together and ban Bruno oh. Gimmeres for his three games for for foul, dirty play for that, I don't know what the fuck was going on. And again, another couple Premier League referees were moonlighting in Saudi Arabia. Again, the one, th yeah, the one thing I'll say is the referee didn't see it. He couldn't have seen it. His back was to it. Yeah, this was all fine. on the VAR. I have no exactly. problem with the v with the ref the the on field referee in in that. And Matt made the point earlier that Arsenal uh, were were poor. Newcastle were poor. It was a yeah, horrible game a to shit. watch. Yeah. But defen defensively, Newcastle were so organised. Their fullbacks never went out to Saka. The Saka was being tracked back by Gordon on the one side and Martinelli was being tracked back by Almiron on the other side. It was a real defensive masterclass in how to contain wingers from a really attacking Arsenal side when, they when they're flowing. But they also... They nullified Arsenal massively, and other sides are going to look at that. Arsenal looked devoid of ideas 
I still don't know what Kai Havertz is doing in an Arsenal shirt. I just think there's a bit of money laundering going on there by the looks of it because that just makes absolutely no sense. He was never the type of player that they needed and it was a luxury that they didn't need, want or could afford. And now that you've got um, Arsenal fans screaming for strikers left, right and centre, they haven't got a bean. They haven't got a washer. They're screwed for money. you know. So yeah. they had to get a goalkeeper in on loan for God's sake. That's how tight Arsenal are for cash. They're getting no one in January, so they're 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 just um, they're not gonna they're not gonna challenge for a title this season. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I don't think so. It's just a matter of whether or not City go off on one of their absolute mad uh, Christmas time to early spring runs where they win fifteen straight games in a row, but. That's just about more than enough for us. We've gone well over the hour mark here. Uh, I want to thank my guests, Kev and Robbie, for coming on. Uh, Robbie, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, just quickly there, a comment by Chris Golden saying we're mad for saying it's not a foul. Um, I'll just remind you of, of uh, the Arsenal manager a few weeks ago said, uh, we're all human, we, people make mistakes, and we'll make mistakes. Uh, we have to move on. That's right. Good process, boys. Well done, right? Yeah. Is that If that isn't the tagline for the whole season, uh, good process, good process yeah. boys. Well done. Ashley L. has been paying attention to the comments. Uh, Matt's got to go get his sushi. There is, in fact, uh, takeout sushi waiting for me downstairs, so let's fucking wrap this up. But also, uh, Kev, before we get out of here, any last, uh, any last words? No, no, look, I'm just looking forward to Thursday night. Uh, way trip to Leon. Hopefully he's getting to see Ben Doak. Uh, getting back on the pitch. Yeah, it's just something to look forward to. The games are going to come thick and fast until the international break, and then we get back to nothingness again for 10 days, two weeks. Mm. Yeah, uh-huh. boy, I, uh, I cannot wait for another international break. It feels like yeah. it's... Is it two the more third? Games. Is it the this third is the last one? one now. Yeah, this is the last one until March. So... Fucking yeah. ridiculous. They do love an international break in the Premier League. But, yes, we've got uh, Toulouse away on Thursday, which is, I believe, a 5.45 kickoff time. And then Brentford at home on the Sunday following that is our last game before the Premier League breaks for another inexorable international break is what we do. And then we get back into the serious business and the run into Christmas comes up after that. But – most importantly, Gav and the boys will be here in three hours and 15 minutes. No, two hours and 15 two minutes. Hours. It, was, it, was time, it was time change today here in Canada for us. <laughs> we're, a, we're a week behind the rest of the uh, developed world when it comes to changing our clocks backwards. But, uh, yes, it is finished at Kenilworth Road, uh, which is a very small ground, which you have to go through some lady's back garden to get to the away fans end. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before, but I thought I'd share it. Well, I hope I hope the away fans enjoyed it today because it won't we won't have to worry about them next year. Won't no, I do I do not think so. All of the uh, promoted teams this season, I don't think you'll have to worry about arranging coach transportation for the away matches for next Premier League season because they no. are fucking dreadful. So, uh, thank you very much for joining us, you guys. It has finished. Luton one, Liverpool one. Luis Diaz with the most deserved goal you will ever see. Hopefully by the time we have our next post-match show, we've got some real positive news on the situation with Luis Diaz's father. But check back in in two hours and 15 minutes for Gav and the fellows for the Sunday night show. This has been us for Talking Cop. Thank you very much for joining us. Please hit the like button on your way out. And if you want to become a YouTube member, become a YouTube member. But until the next show, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.